Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Beyond the, he- Beyond the Headlines, this is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. On Tuesday, world leaders gathered to engage in the annual high-level UN general debate with a focus on accelerating action on the 2030 Agenda and its sustainable development goals towards peace, prosperity, progress, and sustainability for all. The focus of this work is grand. For those from the World Trade Organization, or the WTO, one of the key works in order to implement this is to find the right synergy between trade and environment. You'll find debates on this in the recently concluded WTO public forum, and also in the corridors and meeting rooms of the WTO headquarters in Geneva. While there, I met Ambassador Jose Valencia, WTO Chair of the Committee on Trade and Environment, and later I interviewed him online. Mr. Ambassador, what a pleasure to see you. Good to see you too again. Yes, to reconnect after Geneva, the public forum. One of the things people are extremely interested in is what's likely to be the role of trade in terms of sustainable development, in terms of environment protection. Tell me more about where are we today as a whole? Well, um, yes, I'm, I'm really thrilled also to be part of the efforts of the World, World Trade Organization members to do uh, what I believe is one of the main uh, important tasks uh, of the organization nowadays, which is to connect trade with environment. We have a mandate that, in fact, the Committee on Trade and Environment was created uh, years ago, but now under the current context and urgencies of the uh, environmental agenda around the globe, I believe the committee has a uh, some sort of new responsibility to to be ready to respond to what the international community I think is is waiting to to have perspective uh, uh, from trade in order to support the goals of the international agenda on, on environmental issues. You know, Miss Ambassador, there are two major concerns. One is that trade policies will hinder the exchange of green goods and technologies. The other thing is there might be there might be green protectionism on the other hand using green quote unquote as an excuse for trade protectionism. How do you see the two major concerns regarding the relationship between trade policy and the environment? Uh, in my opinion uh, the World Trade Organization was created in a very specific context, economic context, world context. And now that we have a new challenges as a global community, we need to be also ready to uh, give a step ahead of us and assume the new challenges at the new context that we have uh, in front of us. I mean, meaning, years ago, two decades ago, uh, we still did not, did not have enough uh, I wouldn't say support vital consciousness about the importance and the dramatic impact of climate change. Now the the situation is different. We appreciate what is going on in terms of climate effects coming from the climate variation, 
And uh, I believe from every aspect of international relations, we have to give uh, an answer, give us support, do something about it. So in other words, from the uh, World Trade Organization perspective, those uh, uh, conversations have to, to, to start and, and, and uh, take into consideration and try to solve those uh, issues that you, you mentioned, that uh, somehow the trade tools that are just tools for exchanging goods and services, to put it in very you know general terms, those tools are not used against something that is uh, very much uh, uh, sick uh, uh, about from the uh, international community. On, I believe that on the contrary, trade tools have to be used, they have to be useful in order to foster cooperation, to protect the environment and to advance uh, environmental goals of the whole international agenda. At this point, I understand from business perspective, there are lack of regulations and clear laws regarding how green practices will be encouraged and recognized. And therefore, that is hindering investment by private sector, for example, to invest with uh, uh, green technologies and also to bring green elements into their businesses worldwide. So there are increasing call for clarity. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, you are sitting in this important chair. What do you make of the call from the business community? Well, something that I can really uh, witness uh, from my my. My, my seat as a, a chairperson of the committee is clearly that the, much of the times the business is ahead of are ahead of of uh, uh, governments or uh, regulators because it's not just a matter of uh, having more initiative but because I see that technology and the implementation of technological uh, 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 decisions uh, with regard to environment are more and more present and, and that, are present not because uh, the, the, the businesses want to expand their operations. They do want to do so, but because there is a necessity to do it. I mean, I'm not going to go into details, but there are countries that are rapidly evolving from a, a clean energy, uh, from a, a, a fossil energy uh, matrix to a clean energy matrix. And they are doing that year after year, a very important pace. Uh, this is just to mention one case. Uh, of the of the whole process of, of business and, and 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 green energy and green technology etc. What I think clearly uh, is that there has to be a more direct connection involvement of governments with other stakeholders. So, in other words, uh, in this specific issue of trade and environment, I believe that uh, a very important uh, way of doing things to explore is to try to reach to other stakeholders and establish a, a conversation that, in fact, I believe is going to be very, very productive. Uh, I have a couple of examples of that, but uh, I don't want to be, but just uh, concrete what, what you have asked me about. We see, I was there at the public forum in Geneva, and I noticed that on the agenda, there are enormous amount of sessions related to how trade and environment are going to be linked and what kind of policies need to be churned out. So I also hear personally from the Director General, uh, Madame Ngozi herself, about the urgency of doing this and her personal determination as the DG. So uh, given the 
atmosphere in Geneva, particularly in WTO. Uh, what do you think is the momentum right now? I guess the, this is a good moment in the sense that we are aware and there is a high degree of awareness, if you want, with regard of the urgency of doing something about the environment nowadays. You know, there are some discussions on trade that easily take decades in, in, in solving those discussions, I mean. But with environment, the situation, I think, is different. We cannot, uh, uh, you know, we don't have the advantage, uh, so to say, that many decades before having decisions with regard to climate change. luxury, right? We don't have the luxury anymore. That luxury is not longer there. It's never there. It never was there and it's never going to be. You see, the, the, the goals with regard to uh, CO2 emissions are there, are, are next door in terms of, of uh, human history. So that situation certainly um, supports uh, the view that Mr. Ngozi uh, transmitted to you in, in, in a way that uh, we have to do something urgently, something that is substantive. We do, need, do, we do not need just, you know, uh, good uh, intentions or good words or whatever, but we need uh, concrete uh, decisions. How would you describe uh, China's uh, contributions and roles in the ongoing discussion, Mr. Ambassador? Well, China is a, a very active member. Um, as a chairperson of the, uh, of the committee, certainly I appreciate the contributions of, of China in the workings. As a ambassador of a country member, Ecuador, uh, I have to, to, to say that uh, with China, where, uh, for example, I talked uh, recently about the uh, initiative on, of dialogue on plastic pollution. One of the co-coordinators uh, with Ecuador is, is China. The others are Australia, uh, Morocco, Fiji, and Barbados. So we have a very good uh, sense of, of going through the, the right goals and the right objectives. I believe uh, that uh, if every country is going to uh, put as much as, as it can from its side in order to provoke uh, a cooperation and cooperative results at the organization, in the end, we all are going to be better off. Mr. Ambassador, the Belt and Road Initiative is certainly have a great impact on connectivity around the world. As you know, the BRI is not China's product, but rather China's initiative and been working with countries and economies who are on board. So tell me more about what do you make as an ambassador coming from a developing country on the impact of a BRI? And what does that mean for trade? As you know, these days it's very much an updated version, not just about infrastructure, physical infrastructure anymore. It's more about digital infrastructure, green infrastructure, sustainability, and people-to-people -people exchanges. My country, Ecuador, joined the initiative, and uh, we clearly have in mind uh, to the, to the uh, Belt and Road uh, uh, initiative and, and, and programs as a way of connecting to, to other countries. Uh, my country, Ecuador, is, uh, has the, the, the uh, projection to the uh, Pacific as one of their its, uh, main goals in terms of 
foreign policy. We want to reach countries that are in the other side of the ocean, the, the, the biggest ocean to, in the world. So now uh, appreciating this new, um, some sort of uh, update uh, of the of the initiative incorporating green and uh, digital uh, uh, consideration as well. Uh, I think they, they are welcome. Both environment and digitalization are part of the modern world. We've seen the importance of environment. We've been, we've been uh, talking uh, uh, minutes ago about uh, how uh, the WTO environment is uh, somehow one of the main issues uh, to be discussed. So uh, why not? Uh, having the same uh, approach at the Bell and Road, I believe, will enrich the opportunities of cooperation that the initiative will uh, help in order to, to foster among states the, uh, uh, that are members of the initiative a more uh, concrete integration into uh, common benefit progress. Mr. Master, I think uh, those are wonderful input uh, from your side. And thank you so much uh, for your generosity of time and also suggestions. Appreciate it, Mr. Ambassador. A pleasure. Very, very nice to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Sustainable development is reflected in many things that China has been doing with its partners around the world. Whether it is a global development initiative and the Belt and Road Initiative, sustainable development and green has always been one of the most important focuses. Still to come, I joined the two female sports journalists from Iran and India for a discussion. They are front and center covering the events, bringing the games to the world. Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines, this is World Insight. This is World Insight with me, Tian Wei. In the ongoing 19th Asian Games, we see female correspondents taking center stage reporting at the event. This exemplifies the devotion of women in this field. Despite still being the minority in the industry, female journalists are displaying persistence and professionalism. On the sidelines of the 19th Asian Games, I met with these two journalists from Iran and India. They both are veterans in the field. Pleasure to see my female journalist colleagues here at the Asian Games. Maybe you want to introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, my name is Uttara, and uh, I work for a national newspaper called The Hindu in uh, India. I'm Hedia Khatibi. I'm from Iran. I work in Gold Daily newspaper and uh, Vazash online news agency in Iran. And uh, I was hosting TV. But right now, just I'm writing. Wonderful. It's great to see more and more female journalists are becoming the major scenes of the main press center, isn't it? Well, yes, especially in sports because uh, you see political reporters in uh, women political reporters, women business reporters, but not too many in sports. But it's good that it's changing. Yes. We see more faces every time we come. Absolutely. For example, from India. Yes, India, uh, in fact, India has a lot of sport, women sports reporters in the last five, six years. There were, there were just about five or seven or ten when I started, but in the last five, seven years, uh, almost every, every organization, whether it's television or website or newspaper, everyone has at least one women reporter in sports, so that's good. And uh, were you feel lonely at the very beginning when there were almost uh, no female sports reporter at the time? 
Not really. It's something that I like doing and if you like what you do, then you don't really see how many people are there around you. You're enough. But you work your way up. I've been doing this for about 20 years now, so yeah, been there. Good for you. And what about for you, covering sports in Iran? I cover all sports, but especially in basketball, wrestling and volleyball. Our volleyball is a very good situation now. They try to be on uh, to be in on Olympic games, yes. but uh, and uh, I think uh, it's necessary for a sport <laughs> women ride it and be here. You know what are some of the category you are specifically looking at this time? Quite a few actually. Uh, I'm the only. I mean, we have a huge sports team uh, in my organization, but I'm the only female reporter. Uh, and I'm from, I'm based in New Delhi and there are just three of us so we get to cover almost every sport which is a great thing uh, but I mainly do hockey, I okay. cover hockey, uh, wrestling, very run is very strong yeah. and, and a big rival for us. Uh, Kabaddi again, when you beat us last time we won't let you beat this time. <laughs> we'll right. At least it's decided by the press. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yes, there's badminton, there is uh, this cricket this time, which is obviously where India is the strongest. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of other sports, there's boxing, there's weightlifting, yeah. uh, there's table tennis, so quite a few of them. What about for you? The famous uh, Attic, uh, he'll come here, um, I think, uh, next week. Hassan Yazdani. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Everybody knows. Got, yeah, he got the gold medal in uh, Olympic Games. Um, people in Iran love him, but uh, we have uh, uh, several uh, famous and nice uh, athletes in volleyball, Sayyid Mohammed Musavi, and the another one, Arsalan Kazami, in basketball. And they all of them try to uh, will be in Olympic Games. Right. And you guys also have very strong shooting games. Yeah, our shooting, uh, uh, yeah, in uh, women, we are better in shooting. For example, uh, Najma Khedmati and uh, the other one. But uh, men uh, are better in wrestling and powerlifting. Okay, so um, when it comes to you doing your work, you know, running up to the athletes and the coaches, head delegations, uh, was it easy to do interviews? Yeah, at the end of the day, you are a professional and if you do your work properly and you act like a professional, then everyone respects you. It's, it's not really very difficult or different from uh, doing any other job, whether you're a female reporter or a male reporter. It's mainly about respect and I've always believed respect is something that uh, you create for yourself. If you behave uh, in a proper professional manner, the athlete always uh, they work uh, reciprocates the entire thing. If you don't stay professional, they will not take you seriously. Was there still a moment that you remember you won the respect? Uh, There's not one specific moment. It's just that uh, a lot of these athletes, especially at the international level, they respect you a lot more when they see you every day covering uh, back home at the local levels, uh, when they are starting out, when they are playing in the local uh, domestic tournaments at home, when they are 13, 14, 15, when they start off. If, you see, if they see you covering seriously at that time and you, and you give them that respect as an athlete, 
they always remember. Yeah, it's like you grow with them. Exactly. It? That's an amazing feeling. And, and that is where the whole respect thing comes in because you, even when they are 13 or 14, if you respect them as a sportsperson, they always remember that about you. What about a memorable moment for you when covering events? In fact, our uh, athletes, if you know you, it's very nice and all the time have time, but if you, you don't know you, at the first it's difficult and take time. But uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I'm a journalist for nine years, for uh, more than 15 years. Yes. And uh, when I uh, ask them, uh, they are very nice. But uh, you know, uh, after the matches and in a specific time, I try to uh, not uh, ask them something. And after some minutes, I uh, come and I don't have a bad memory. You know, for I have a lot of respect for sports journalists because you guys have to be there on time when the match begins, right? And everything's so accurate. And meanwhile, nice to be with those athletes who sometimes very frustrated, very exhausted. You have to work with them. Uh, they're nice people, a lot of them, but still a lot of stress. So how does that work out uh, with you uh, personally? I think that's where the whole respect thing comes. You, uh, even if you know someone very well, uh, you're very friends with someone, an athlete, uh, it's very important to know where to draw the line where to not cross the line yeah. and to understand as a journalist when an athlete is in uh, is disappointed or is frustrated or is in not a good mood and not go there and uh, and force questions on them or force them to answer i think that's where the professionalism and the respect part comes in and uh, if you uh, respect to treat them as a person, not just a subject, isn't exa it? Exactly, yeah. because at the end of the day, they are people. They they might be females, they might be world champions, but they are people, yeah. and they also have their emotions, they have their moods, they have their good and bad days, yeah. and you need to know when to stop. What about female athletes, particularly? <laughs> It's, it's funny actually because for me it's always been more difficult to talk to female athletes because... No, 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 me too. Yeah, <laughs> because, uh, no, uh, in sports especially, uh, a women athlete, at least in India and uh, I'm not sure of Iran but I'm sure it's true everywhere, uh, a women athlete goes through a lot more to reach this level. So they are a lot more... Uh, they're all a lot more introvert, they're all a lot more protective of themselves and they don't uh, open up very easily, they don't talk to you very easily, they, they don't trust you very easily. Uh, it's not their fault, it's just that women How in general were, yeah. have to face a lot more than men, yeah. uh, whether it's in terms of the society or uh, the authorities, even the government said a lot of time. Women athletes are always uh, are are not really given too much importance. So when they reach this level, they've faced so many uh, struggles. It becomes difficult for them to start opening up. But once they do, uh, I think women athletes are one of the loveliest people I've spoken to. I think um, like her, um, some uh, someone uh, trusts uh, us uh, hardly. But if uh, make uh, best. Uh, decision in the right time 
the result will be better, I think. And uh, it depends on you and and your uh, your um, uh, the time of your working. Yeah. If we're working hard, they see it. Yes. They know it. <laughs> <laughs> you were covering in Rio de Janeiro the Summer Olympics, isn't it? Yeah, I've been there, and I had a very uh, very good time because the um, a specific time it was the gold medal for uh, Hassan Yazani wrestling. They saved wow. our sport in that time <laughs> yeah. because we needed to gold medal in that time, and the atmosphere was great. The food, the hosting, and very good. And I had a, uh, I, I had the opportunity to see uh, several uh, sport that they um, I didn't have in my country. Oh, nice! Yeah, for example, signosite and something like that. Okay, so I wish uh, more gold medals uh, for your individual country and more coverage of the best athletes. And that's my discussion with two female journalists from Iran and India on the sidelines of the 19th Asian Games. That's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to know more, search World Insight. I'm Ken Wei. On behalf of my team, Dr. wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African. How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. <laughs>